I love that last song. <laughs> you could just ask, ask Josh how much I love that last song. Because back when we, uh, when we also, we had a worship team, but we also had a band. And I don't know, Josh, what, we, we played that every time. Every time, yeah, <laughs> pretty much every time. And that, uh, the reason that song has significance to me is because it came at the time that God was doing so much change in my life, in my heart, where, where he, was, he was bringing me from a place of, of really, and, and he had started before that, but, but from a place of relation, or religion to relationship. And even though at the time I never would have said, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm in religion, whatever, um, it was just... You know, this, this ABCs of God. And, uh, and this song came out, and, and it's interesting because when you first hear the song, you probably think of extreme cases of, of breaking chains. You know, when you think of breaking chains, you think, oh, well, you know, someone who's drug addicted, yeah, God can break that chain. You know, somebody who's addicted to pornography, God can break that chain. You know, somebody who, who just is so, so intense in their work and their, their work is their whole focus. Well, God could break that chain. You know, the, these things that we become addicted to. But what it meant to me was something far greater than that. Because oftentimes what we don't recognize is that we become addicted, if you will, if I can use that term, addicted to process, right? We become addicted to the ABCs of how we do things, ABCs of how we do church, right? Now, if God hasn't broken that in you yet in this church, then something's wrong. Because there, there's very few things that we do here that, that are normal, and starting with the fact that we're in a, in a house, I mean, that, that's, that's right away where God takes us out of our comfort zone, takes us out of the norm, places us into a position where it is simply relationship with him, right? We have to do that. We have to be there. But that, that's, that's one thing I, I just love about that song, and I will never grow tired of that song. Because the, the chains that God wants to break in us are not just these addictions, Right to even process, but the chains that he wants to break in us are the habits that we develop that look good on the outside, but they really start to cut him out. They cut him out of what he wants to do in our life. So I, I uh, of course, last week we were at creation, and what an incredible time! Uh, creation is always, always an amazing time. This year. Um, was very different, I, I think, for many of us, definitely different for me in, in some significant ways. But uh, one, one thing I'll, I'll mention, um, uh, we, we picked up some very dear family at creation this year. And not to embarrass him, but Max came this morning. And he is one of those family members that, by the way, Max drove an hour and a half to be here, so... All of you who live five minutes away, I don't want to ever hear you complain. <laughs> but, uh, 
But what, what happened at creation was picking up just this closeness of family. And, 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 and this year at creation, like I said, was, was a, a little bit different, it, perhaps Tuesday. And, and I know Wendy's not here. I wasn't able to talk to her about this this morning. Um, maybe she'll see this online. And we, and by the way, pray for people and they're, they're traveling. I know, I know Brooke is even traveling right now, coming back from Nashville. And, uh, um, and, uh, so many people are out today traveling. So pray for traveling mercies for them. But, um, uh, what, what God want, what God did at creation, we want to have a time of sharing, we want to have a time of testimonies. We haven't had a chance to do that yet. And I'm, I'm going to talk to Wendy about doing some of that Tuesday night because some of the things that happened were extraordinary. I, I look at even some of our young people that, that went to creation and, and the things that happened in their hearts was amazing. It wasn't some, some function of, of, uh, well, God just really did this amazing thing that kind of affected me for, for this moment, right? There, there are some real life changes that happened there. But I want to, I want to share a story with you before we get into Colossians this morning, because I, I think it also has to do with, with what God is doing in us and what God is doing in our calling. And I've shared this with a few of you. Um, but this was really cool to me. As I said, creation was different for me this year. And, uh, and by the way, hello, Joe and Manetta. I told them I'd say hi to them online. Uh, we were there with them yesterday and got to spend a couple hours with them, and they are so precious. Keep praying. Keep praying for Manetta because I know God is going to heal her and take that pain away and so she can, they can be with us again. But, uh, but again, this, this year at creation... Um, was the first year that it, it became, um, I don't know how to say this, because it was fun, but it wasn't fun. Does that make sense? When, when you go there and you're called to do something, it, you're, you're in this mode of doing it. You know, this is the first year that I, I didn't really get to watch any of the bands. I, I never went down to the, to, the, uh, to the pit. I never did any of that. As a matter of fact, I only saw one band. It was the last one. It was the coolest one, but you know, whatever. Um, Josh will disagree with me on that one, but uh, um, but this year became about pouring out. This year became about doing something that the Lord wanted to do, not just in us but through us. And we had such an amazing team. We had an amazing team of people that just poured out. And, and we had, we, we were the majority part of the prayer team there, but not just the prayer team. I mean, it was interesting to me because, because I saw all the other young people just dive in, just dive in and, and, and treat this like ministry more than a week of fun. And, and it was extraordinary. But I, I want to tell you one story. Um, for those of you who know, uh, there have been many things prophesied over this church and over us and what God wants to do with us and, and all that. But I love it when he makes connections outside of us. I love it when he does things that, that become such clear confirmations of things that he's told us. And I, I want to share this one with you because I thought it was cool. Um, we were praying so hard for breakthrough at creation. And, and in, in many ways there was, in many ways there will be in the future. But... Um, 
I've told you the story before of when five years ago how this whole kind of vision was birthed in me happened at creation. I was in the pit. They, they, they call it the pit. It's, it's where everybody's right in front of the stage and all that. I was in, in the pit because I, I was looking forward to uh, being... Uh, being right there for, for the, for the next band that was one of my favorite bands coming up. And, and I was listening to this speaker I'd never heard of before. His name's Tony Nolan. Okay. And, and most of you've probably never heard of him, except if you went to creation, you heard him, right? Okay. I had never heard of him. I, I mean, honestly, still haven't. Outside of what he did at creation, I've, I've really know very little about him. Um, but the first time that I was there with him five years ago, the, the altar call was, was mind-blowing. The move of the Holy Spirit at that time was mind-blowing because what was happening was something so far beyond him, so far beyond creation and what they had set up. Okay? And uh, he had, uh, to make a long story short, there were thousands of people that came forward. Um, now, when, when you have people come forward at creation, they kind of bring them to this tent back behind the stage. And you might be able to fit, you know, I don't know, 1,000 to 12, 1,300 back there, maybe even 1,500 spilling out. Um, but this was way more than what they could handle. They sent people back there, but then people are, people are just coming forward and, 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 you know, he, he just showed where the prayer tent was. And, and basically, the altar call interrupted everything. It stopped everything. Everything was delayed at least an hour, the bands that, that were coming after that. And it was extraordinary. But for me, it, it was not this positive feeling. I mean, it was awesome that people were coming forward. But, but the, the, what God kept putting on my heart is, okay, what now? What now? What do these people do now? You know, how are these people followed up with? And I, I talked with Pastor Harry, who is the founder of, of Creation. I talked to him later and asked, you know, what, what happens now? And, and, and like all of these festivals, it, it's the same problem where they don't have a way to really follow up. So God birthed this vision. And, and you know, what you're seeing now in Ignition is kind of a, a, what, what's come to fruition of this, this vision. But part of that was a vision that he had for birth in me at creation. And it was doing this thing called the Passion Intensive. I, I don't want to go into it too much, but it's effectively what we call relationship training. Okay, for those who just accept Jesus Christ, teaching how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible calls it discipleship discipling somebody in relationship with Jesus Christ. So a couple months before creation this year, uh, they, they asked us to do a basically a taste of this passion intensive. And I, I really, to be honest with you, wasn't sure how in the world we're going to do that because um, a taste is what we boil down to, into eight hours. I wasn't sure how to, how to boil down what is already a taste into just a single hour. <laughs> but that's, that's what they wanted. They wanted to try it out and see, see how it went. And so, so we did. We began to do it. The very first day that we did this, because we did it every day at creation starting on Thursday, the very first day that we did it, guess who happened to be speaking? Tony Nolan. The very person that was speaking when that vision was birthed in the first place. He was speaking that day, and it was, it was just extraordinary. 
Now, we were, we were as I said, we were um, uh, a major part of the prayer team. So when Tony Nolan did his altar call, then, again, so many people, it wasn't like five years ago, but so many people came forward. I, I want to say that in total, I know there were about 13, 1,400 that filled out cards, and there were probably a few hundred more than that that came. And so, so you had, you had a little under 2,000 people that come forward and, and prayed and, and, and gave their hearts to the Lord and, and it was tremendous. It was awesome. So, so I just wanted to meet him afterwards. Uh, when, you know, the band started up and whatever and there was a line, I waited. And then finally, he was alone. Um, I was with Tanny, uh, but, it, but, he was done with his line and whatever, and I, I got to meet him, and I, I went up, shook his hand, and I, I just said, I, I'm just so thankful. I wanted to let you know that, that a vision was birthed when you spoke five years ago, and all those people came forward. And, and, and I said, I told a little bit about that, and he said, you know, I remember that day. He said, and I remember it for the oddest reason. He, he said, he said, it wasn't that I remember it because all these people came forward or this happened or that happened. He said, when I was driving away from creation five years ago, the Lord spoke so clearly to me and he said something to me that never really made sense. He said, today I am answering the prayer of William Penn. And he said, that didn't make sense to me. He said, and then I got home, and he said, my wife is a, a, a homeschooler, and she said to me, he didn't say anything about William Penn, because it, you know, it didn't make sense to him, and she said to him, yeah, we, we went over uh, in studies today about William Penn, and of course, he gets this big smile on his face, right? And she said, you know, you know, he used to go for days, get on his horse, go for days into the countryside, be alone for days, and just pray. Just pray. That was it. Now, for those of you who don't know who William Penn is, first of all, go back to history class and, and you'll, you'll find out who he is. But, but William Penn is the, the person really responsible for writing the skeleton of what we now know as our Constitution. How we operate our government came from the skeletal uh, 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 writings of what he said government should be. So it really started with William Penn. William Penn was a Quaker who came over from, from uh, Wales with, with a whole bunch of Welsh and, and obviously others, came over here because of religious freedom. And, and those are the things that we've heard. That's why this country became what it is, because of religious freedom. Okay, But he used to go out into the countryside for days and pray to the Lord. And, and just ask him for who knows what. And so I started laughing when he said this. And this part of the story, I don't know if I've ever told in public like this before, but um, I, some of you know what I'm about to say. But it's been extraordinary, this walk that God has had this, this church on and us specifically on. Because he shared a lot of things with us, a lot of vision with us, a lot of prophecy with us. And then some of the things he's done have made no sense whatsoever, and this is one of them. He said, I, I want to say it was a year and a half ago or so, something like that. 
he said, he said, I want you to, to look at, uh, and, and I can't remember if he had told this to me, my sister, my dad. I can't remember, but, but my sister and my dad were the ones that ended up with the task because they, they like to research. Praise God, I don't have to. <laughs> that is so not me. But we were told, the Lord said, why don't you research your ancestry and go through this particular line? It was through my great-grandmother, through her line. Okay? And, okay, Lord, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Not sure why, but we'll do that. And then I get this call a couple days later from my sister, and she, you are not going to believe this. You're just going to be blown away. Okay, your 10th generation back grandfather, my 10th generation back grandfather, he came over with William Penn and he settled in this area. Okay, that's, that's extraordinary. But what's even more extraordinary is, is I found out churches that he had been a part of, churches that he helped to build. There's two specifically that are still up, still running, still there as the building. I walked the very grounds that he walked. I saw the grave sites that perhaps he's in one of them. I, I don't know if he's there or not. You can't read like probably half of the gravestones. But this is over 300 years ago. Okay. Now that very that very thing that happened then, his son that was born in Newcastle County, although back then it wasn't called that. This this seventy this is seventy years before we were a country. Okay. This this is right at the turn of the the seventeen oh ones. I think he came in seventeen fourteen, right around there. But. But what happened then is his son that was born here moved to South Carolina, and nobody in that line has ever lived here since, until me, until Lex and I moved back here. And, and it, it was, you know, Lex and I always wondered, why in the world would you call us to Delaware? I've lived in some of the prettiest places in America. You know, I've lived in Southern California. I've lived in Colorado, which I, I'm just convinced is where God really lives. But Colorado, that's the most beautiful place in America, according to me. And where's he called me to? Delaware. Delaware. They, they don't have hills here. The, the highest point in Delaware is the landfill. You know, and, and, and for all this time, I'm like, Lord, you could have called me anywhere. You could have called me anywhere. We could have been anywhere. And you called me to Delaware. And when he showed me this, it, I still don't know the purpose, but I know there is a purpose. Okay? See, because what I don't know, now, when I told him this story, when I told, told Tony this story, and, and really that's about 5% of, of all the stories involved with the history here, when I told him this, he, he's just... He's just wide-eyed. He's, oh, my goodness, you know, give me your phone. So I give him my phone, and he said, do you mind if I put my cell phone number in here? I said, no, do it. And, and he said, look, I'm moving to Florida next week, and in a week and a half or two weeks, he said, let's talk. Because there's more to this story. There's so much more to this story. Now, I don't, I don't know the tie-in with Tony Nolan. Like I said, I don't know who he is. I don't know why, why it would be birthed when he preached, but there's something to that. 
That I could guarantee you. So understand, whatever God has in your calling, whatever God has and has spoken over you, even prophetically, understand that you don't have to know everything to follow in that calling. Because he'll tell you the things that you need to know when you need to know it. I don't know the connection here. We, we don't know the connection. You know, we do know that, that my 10th generation back grandfather, him and his brother, owned 400 acres somewhere around here. We don't know exactly where because back then they didn't like stake it out. It was kind of like, well, my property's from the big oak right there all the way down to that big rock down there. <laughs> you know, so, so it's really difficult to nail down exactly what that is. But we do know that in the, the literal foundations of this country, foundations of this country, we are connected to somebody who was a part of this land right here. See, that's extraordinary for one reason. Because Satan takes land. When he was given prince and power of the air, he was not given dominion of the land. Right? It was Adam that gave that over. And then specifically land that was, was basically given in authority to man. Man can choose who to give that authority to. But what Satan wants is to have control of that land. Land is important. That's why that was the biggest promise to Israel. The biggest promise to Israel was that that land would be theirs. That's why it was so extraordinary that they were out of the land for 2,000 years. Since I, I believe it, I, I want to say it was uh, 400 years or something like that before Jesus Christ. Up until 1948, they were out of the land. But then they were placed back in the land. Why? Because that was their promise. They, their promise was to take that land, to take it away from the enemy. The enemy had no more control over that. It's no different with you and I. See, with you and I, authorities can be broken even over land. One of the things we, when we do, when we come here in the uh, Sunday mornings, Tuesday nights, is, is we pray a protection over this land. Right? There's a protection over all this that we pray. So, so it, I, I just had to tell that story because, again, it, it's no huge revelation yet, but it's a peace. So in your own life, what pieces are you given? What pieces of your calling are you given that you don't have the whole puzzle yet, but you, you get pieces and you just follow God until you get another piece. And he starts to put together this picture, this picture of your life, of what he wants for your life. But you know, those pieces don't come automatically. Those pieces come when we say yes. Those pieces come when we seek him in his kingdom with our whole heart. And then the pieces start to come together. So I want you to turn to Colossians. We're in chapter 2, verse 16. And I, I want to give you a little bit of background uh, since 
since uh, I wasn't here last week, but Colossians is all about this idea of religion versus relationship. And this is something that, that obviously God puts on our heart and, and he preaches through me just about every week. But it, it's also something easy to close your mind to. See, because relationship's a lot harder than religion. Relationship is a lot harder to, to work by a list of do's and don'ts. Well, I, I checked off my list, and so I must be close to God. But see, that, that's what Paul's talking about in Colossians here. And we're going to start at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass... And again, sorry, uh, just to talk about where we were just the week before, two weeks ago, um, talking about where Paul was saying, don't let the world say these plausible arguments to you and you buy into those. Okay? And it's, by the way, it's not just the world we're going to see today. It's also religion. Even those who are saved. Even those who are saved, who believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, can be involved in these plausible arguments. These things that take us off course from what God wants to do in our life, from that that puzzle piece, that masterpiece that he's putting together in our lives. So, so remember, he just talked about two different times about these plausible arguments. Don't fall into the, the spell of those. Verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Talking about these these religious things. Remember what, what the, the Church of Colossae, these are, this is written to Jews, okay? The Jews in there that just came from Judaism. What was Judaism? Judaism was all about the law. It was all about holding fast to this rule and that rule, doing this festival, doing this sacrifice, doing those things. If you check off those things, then you're in good shape. Okay, they're coming from that mind frame, and now they've accepted Jesus Christ in their heart. Jesus becomes their Messiah. He is their Messiah. He is the the uh, the high priest instead of what was the human high priest. So he's saying, don't let anyone pass judgment on you in these things, these questions of food, what you're allowed to eat, what you're allowed to to. Uh, this festival that you're supposed to go to, this new moon or Sabbath. Okay, these, verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That goes back to what the law was. The law is not just something that everybody adheres to. The law is a shadow of who Jesus Christ is. Because remember, he came and fulfilled the law. He came and completed the law. So the law is, is this evidence of him, which is perfection. Okay, so that's why it says here, these things are a shadow of things to come. They're merely a shadow, merely a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. But the substance or the real meaning or the real essence of what that is belongs to Jesus Christ. Verse 18. 
Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. By the way, that word asceticism, that, that's this false humility. Okay? He, he, he's saying, don't let anyone disqualify you, insisting that you have this false humility. Insisting that you become this, this fake religious person and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Allowing pride to come in and infiltrate what should be our relationship with Jesus Christ. Instead, these people that were trying to draw these people away were allowing pride to come into their religion because that's what religion produces. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand your place in Him. You understand that before the living God, if it weren't for Jesus Christ and His covering over you, you would be full of sin. You would be unworthy to go before the Lord. Right? But in religion, if all you have to do is check off what you think is important, remember you have put that plan together. You think it's important. I do this, I check it off, and now I feel pretty good about myself. And from the outside, I look like I'm pretty good. You know, what is one of the number one problems in America today, especially for men, but definitely, I believe, for women as well, and that's pornography. How many people, if you could line up ten people, how many of those could you point at, oh, yeah, they, they look at pornography, they look at pornography, and no. Why? Because it's a hidden thing. It's something they do in secret. It's something they keep hidden that they don't want anyone to know about. Right? Those things, you can become proud in your religious walk and still have horrific sin in your life when it's religion. can't do that in relationship. Because, see, relationship is about intimacy. Relationship is about being one-on-one and close with the person you're in relation to. So when it's Jesus Christ, and you, you literally... Now, by the way, he knows what we do anyways, right? I mean, we can't hide anything from him, but we can compartmentalize. But when you're in relationship with him, when you seek him in that relationship and you're talking with him, you're discussing with him different things in your life and what's going on and everything, you cannot hide who you are, even in your own mind. You can't compartmentalize that. Why? Because you will not get the response from him that you're looking for. It's kind of like in in relationship. If if I want to, to get a response of joy and love and peace and everything from my wife, then then I have to go to her. She can't see something else in my life that goes against that. You know, if if really in my life I, I you know I'm I'm just sick and tired of something she does. And I won't tell her this, but but I'm sick and tired of it. When, when I'm on my own, I, I just grumble about it. And, and now, now, obviously, she doesn't know my mind like Jesus would. But let's say that she overhears me grumbling with somebody else about that. And she knows how I really feel about it. 
And then the next time I go to her and I, I just want everything to be good and we're going to have a nice day, a picnic, whatever. It doesn't work out so well. Why? Because she sees that in me. It breaks her heart that, that I am not sharing everything in who I am with her. There's something I'm holding back, and that something is something against her. How do you think Jesus feels when we sin? Because it's no different. The, the, the only difference is he doesn't have to see us and accidentally overhear us. He knows everything. So when you build relationship with him, you put yourself in a place of accountability unlike anything else. By the way, that's the safest place to be. If you really want relationship with Jesus Christ, if you really want to be close to the God of these scriptures, then you put your pl- yourself in a place of accountability with him. You put yourself in relationship with him. Not religion. And this is what Paul's getting at. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Notice in your Bible the word head there should be capitalized. See, it's referring to Jesus Christ. Is it capitalized up here? Okay, there you go. See, Jesus Christ is where our thought processes should begin. Everything in your body is driven by your head, right? Driven by your brain, driven by your eyes, driven by your mouth, driven by your your smell, right? He's supposed to be in control of all that. And, And when he is in control, then the rest of it begins to fall into place. But he's saying, watch out for those where he is not the head. And then he goes back in verse 20. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? When you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you became a new creature. You became something new. Even if you came from religion, which is who he's talking to here. He's talking to those Jews that that grew up with the law, that understood the law, and that's where your righteousness comes from. And he said, you you were taken, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you were taken from that world. You were taken from that world of sin, that, that world that you could not add up to. You could not get to heaven, in their case, through the law. Your case, you cannot... Move forward in life. You cannot get to heaven without Jesus Christ. So why in the world, when you were born into him, when you accepted him as Savior, why in the world do you still keep the cloak of the world on you? And, and not, not just sin, but even them saying what you should look like. It is, this all, always bugged me. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know my background? I, I grew up in... My schools and, and the churches we went to when I was really young, uh, and then high school as well, were, were kind of legalistic, on the legalistic side. And, and it was more about what you looked like. It was more about 
about how you acted in front of people. You know, it wasn't so much caring about, you know, if, if you do that, you know, just don't let anybody know. And, and that breeds something really, really dangerous. That's why in Jesus Christ, the relationship is not what everybody else sees. The relationship is the accountability that you place in your own life to him. He's there anyways. Hate to tell you. Right? Whether you are in relationship or not, he's there anyways. He sees you. He sees what he wants for you. He has this book that he wrote about you long before you were ever born. And he sees everything. So the accountability is on us. So why do we then, he said here, if you died to the world or the elemental spirits of the world, this influence of the world, this spiritual influence, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Now, in this case, he's talking about those things that were unclean. Those things that were unclean to the, to the traditional Jew. That they couldn't touch, they couldn't eat, they couldn't do these things. Right? He's saying, why are you falling to that? Submitting yourself to that. But we can apply this today in the same way. Okay, why do we put ourselves under the subjection of what the world thinks religion should be? Why do we list a set of rules that we then go and live by and feel good about and missing the whole point? You know, I, I, I look at the world today. I use this example in uh, Nigeria a lot. You have so many people that claim to be saved. So many people that uh, uh, 59 million in the last 10 years have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart in Nigeria alone. And I think there's only 140 million in the whole country. So why is that not a country on fire for the Lord? It's for this very reason. Just because you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart does not mean you have a relationship with him. And, and the elemental spirits of the world, you've heard us say this, that, that once a person saved, okay, Satan lost that battle. But now his strategy shifts. He no longer can, can take you from God and, and you go to hell. You are going to heaven if you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. What he then begins to do is to silence your testimony. To make you ineffective, basically. And he does that through subjecting you to the elemental spirits of this world even after you're not under that authority anymore. So that's the difference between effectiveness of the bride, effectiveness of the church, effectiveness in your life, and not having effectiveness. It's this idea of relationship. And, and, and I know in many ways I'm preaching to the choir because you've seen the effects of relationship. I see it on you. I see it in our young people when we went to to creation this year, I, I saw it in people that really surprised me. And I thought, wow. Wow. There, there, was, there was a young man that we'd been praying for, 
I won't say who it is. Some of you, some of you will know, but um, creation was such a transition in his life, and it's extraordinary. And perhaps he'll be able to give this testimony. But he came home so excited, and and with this limitless idea of what God could do in his life. And he went right home, and there was a person in his household that that had had an infection. And he said, you know what, we'll just pray for that. And he did, and the infection went away. Literally overnight, it went away. Now, this person also had has cancer. And so he, pr- he prayed, cancer, be gone. Now, she, she hasn't had an update with the doctor yet. So, but, but do you see my point? Before he had this connection with Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about salvation, because he got saved a while ago. I'm not talking about salvation, him accepting Jesus Christ. I'm talking about that switch to seeing Jesus Christ as someone who wants to be with him all the time. Have you made that recognition in your life? Have you come to the place where where you're finally done with yourself? You're finally done with all the things that you deal with. And and Lord, I I carry this heavy burden. I carry this heavy burden and you said I don't have to. So, So have you come to a place where you recognize you can put that on his shoulders? See, that's what he wants for us individually, but that's what he wants for us corporately. Something's going on with this church. I, I can't wait to find out. It, my sister Melissa is, is researching, trying to get journals of William Penn to see what he was praying for. Because whatever it is, God's answering it. I want to know what he prayed for. I, mean, I have an idea. Because it was something about this land. It was something about this country. Something about what, what the intent was from the beginning, long before we ever had a constitution. See, this land was prayed over. Do you know this church was prayed over? Your life was prayed over. God has intent for your life. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care how how young you are. Beginning is beginning. You can can be at what you think is an ineffective place in your life. And that, that, well, there's, you know, I mean, I've already lived this full life, whatever. And yet God says, no, there's so much more. I want to begin something in you you've never experienced before. Moses, he was called at 80. Thank you, Lord, for not waiting until I was 80. I mean, he called me when I was 50. You know, Abraham, you know, he, he's, he's, he's pushing 100 before his, his, uh, the, what God had given him came to fruition. Time is not an element in God's house. Simply obedience is. Simply love is. Simply going after him in everything. Letting him do anything. Do we do that? Because, see, God is putting something extraordinary together here. And it it can't just be a few individuals. I've said it a thousand times. If you're part of this church... At this point, it's because you're called to be a leader. 
It's because you're called to do something in the body of Christ. And there's a preparation time. You know, we've been at church now two and a half years. A little, little over two and a half years. There's a preparation time in, in what God does in your life and what he teaches you and what he prepares you for. Because when you give him your, your yes, he'll never throw you in the deep end until you're ready to swim. Wherever you're at right now, and I, and I speak to everybody, but, but even young people, don't think that because you're in school, you don't have this, this influence, you don't have this, this, this voice where he can use you. Because I've seen extraordinary have things happen in high schools. It just has to take one person. I've seen extraordinary things happen in friendship groups that broke out just because one person was so in love with Jesus that they couldn't hold it in. Your sphere of influence can be radically changed, whatever that sphere is, whatever position God has put you in. But I can tell you there's purpose in it. There's purpose in it in your life. There's purpose in it in this church. Because of what he's doing, because of what he's calling. Verse 22, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. Verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and false humility asceticism, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. See, God knows the real issues for a Christian are what they hide, are what they think they keep from him, but try to keep from everybody else. What do we keep from everybody else. What, he, what he's saying here is, is this religion, this religious spirit, okay, it has an effectiveness of making you look good to a certain point. But in reality, there's no value to it. See, because other people are not the judge. When you get to heaven and you stand before the beam of seed of Christ, you're not standing before all these other people that say, oh yeah, he's good, she's good. Yeah, they did this, yeah, they, they, they did their list and it was awesome. They were so, so awesome for Christ. They were religious. See, when we stand before Jesus, we're going to see what we did in relationship with him. Not anything that we did in our own power. I can go out and I can do things in my own power. I can lead this church even in my own power. Or I can lead it in relationship. Huge difference. Huge difference when I stand before the beam of seat of Christ. That reward ceremony that I go to because he takes everything that we do as Christians and everything is tested by fire, the Bible says. And those things that come out as being of God, right? Those are the, the gems. They're the, the gold, the silver. And then those things that are burnt up, those good deeds that we do, those good things that we do that are burnt up is because our motivation were for the deeds. 
What deeds do we do? Man, uh, even things we do with, with Jesus. And, it, and I'm, I'm not downing this, but, but I want you to understand kind of where, where my heart's at. I grew up in this, and, and you know my idea was, well, Lord, I'm going to give you uh, at least five minutes a day in your word. Okay, my motivation was not to get to know him. Might have been to get some knowledge, some head knowledge of him, because I, 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 the more I could learn, the more I could teach. You know, the more I felt like I knew, and if I knew something somebody else didn't know, then that was cool. <laughs> right, so we learn the Bible for those reasons. I think that's why so many people like to learn Revelation. I know something you don't know. I understand Revelation, you know. But if your motivation is just learning some things about him, there's no profit in that. So that the five minutes that I would give him a day, I'll be in your word five minutes a day. Now, now praise God that he said his word will never return void. And so he can speak to his word through his word, get a hold of my heart, and that's what he did. But do you understand there's no profit in me just hitting that timer? Okay, five minutes, go. Done, ding, all done. Got my five minutes in. I feel pretty good today. I can now tackle the world because I got my God on. Right? I mean, it's, it's sad, but that's, that's so the way so many people are. If they look good enough on the outside that nobody can tell how much turmoil there are, they're in on the inside, then they're okay. But do you know, God offers so much more than that. He doesn't want that for any of us. He offers this beautiful, beautiful relationship. For those of you who've seen the shack, do you remember in, in where, where Mac, when they planted this garden and they showed this garden and he said, that this, is, this is beautiful, but it's chaotic, remember? And, and all these plants everywhere. And then, then, you know, toward the end when that tree was planted and that became this birthing of relationship in his life, that became beautiful. What was surrounded by chaos became perfect and beautiful. See, that's relationship with Jesus Christ. When you develop relationship with him, he doesn't take you out of your circumstances. Why? Because you're there for a reason. You know, that, that difficult friend or that difficult family member that you have in your life, you know, just because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't mean that he poofs them away. No, see, there's a different way to handle those people. When we're in relationship with Jesus Christ, he gives us these eyes of his. We start to see people how he sees people. We start to fall in love with people that, that we never in a million years would have fallen in love with. Because we see them through Christ's eyes. We see that even those who are saved, we see that he wants relationship with them. He wants to build this unity with them that in turn builds unity with us and builds unity within the bride. That's what he's working toward. And these things that just have the look of righteousness, but not the depth of righteousness, they don't do anything. It's simply religion. They don't do anything. They're of no value Stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know, we all, we all in our lives fall into sin. 
We live in simple carcasses. <laughs> We're born in simple flesh. That's a constant battle. And, and I could tell you this from, from personal experience. That battle, when you're wrapped in this religious mindset outside of relationship, and it's about going through this list of things to do, that battle rages. Because, see, you're literally fighting that battle without power. Relationship is the power. Relationship is allowing the Holy Spirit to do more than just seal your spirit but allowing the Holy Spirit to move throughout you in relationship. That becomes the power against sin. And next week we're going to go into chapter 3 and understanding what that means is changing your perspective. Because when your situation changes, going from this religious spirit to this relational process, your mind has to change. Your perspective Changes Now all of a sudden, the time that I spend with the Lord in His Word isn't about getting my five minutes in. It's about, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? See, you promised it'll never go void, so I'm going to claim that promise. That means you have something for me this morning. You want to speak with me this morning, so I'm eager to sit down with your word. I'm eager to sit down and worship. I'm eager to sit down and pray because I want to hear from you. Because that's what relationship does. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants his breathing word to actually be breathing in your life. You know, we see these words... In your case, maybe paper. In my case, an iPad. <laughs> we see these words, his word, that, that formulate on this paper. But do we believe that's him speaking to us? I'm telling you, he wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you through circumstances. He wants to speak to you through giftings. But what he speaks is powerful because his word is God-breathed. That's current tense. That, that, that's not past tense, like, well, he breathed at once. No, that word is, is a current tense. It means he is breathing it now. He's breathing it out whenever you read it, whenever you ingest it. He's breathing it into you. So if you knew you could sit down and talk with God, Literally sit there and talk with God. Would you do it? I think if we went around to everybody, they'd say, sure. So then why don't we? It's because there's a disconnect of who he is. And that disconnect has just historically been religion. Not this relationship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you and we praise you, God, because you are so awesome. And Lord, I, I just, I lay before you this whole church. I lay before you any preconceived notions of, of what I want. And we just say yes to whatever you want. Because, God, I know that there are people here 
that are hiding, that are feeling good about what people don't know. And it it could be so many different things. And I know that you look into that, that life and you just say, there's so much more. There's so much more. Jesus, you've called us to be an army rising up. But this army is weaponized with love. And see, love can't be fake. Fake love is is always found out. Fake love has no lasting properties to it. Whatever you want to do in our lives, God, help us to give you the yes, to give you that green light. Whatever it is shed from us, whatever gets in the way of a relationship with you. Keeping your head bowed and eyes closed.